Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today's guest is Kathy Courtney, somebody that I've had the amazing opportunity of getting to dive deeper with on a professional level as uh, an expert coach that we've brought in into our Fit for Service events over the last year. And she's been in every single one of them from Sedona last year to Lockhart this spring to Montana in, um, in May. And uh, in between, she's actually come out and worked with us privately. And I've been blown away every fucking time I get an interaction with her. Um, and today I get to have an even deeper dive with her on a personal level, which is great because we, as much time as we've spent with each other, we have not had the benefit of having a one-on-one conversation uh, uninterrupted. So it's been an amazing time getting to know her. And she has such a wealth of knowledge. She's one of the people that you meet where there's a palpable, there's a, like, there's a really palpable feeling on the level of wisdom the person has, and then it radiates through everything they do. It radiates when they're on stage, it radiates in their interactions with people, and it radiates in me through how I feel. Uh, every time I've done any of her exercises or gone through any of her programs, there's a really palpable feeling that shifts where I'm like, Oh shit, we're getting we're getting to the core here. This, this feels different. This feels a lot different. And um I've really, really appreciated getting to know her. She's just a fucking incredible human being. We had a blast on this podcast. I'll for sure have her back on. Uh we dive deep into her work and knowledge and and you know her trajectory, really. I love hearing what, what makes people people, what what made them into the person they are today. So she's got uh, a really deep background and um one that I didn't expect, you know, is different because she's South African and I don't often think of what life was like for someone who's just a smidge, you know, a hair older than me growing up in South Africa, how different that would be. Um, we recently, wa- I recently watched with Paul Check. I was out for a 60 second birthday and we were watching the Sinead O'Connor documentary, which is heartbreaking, but it shows her. And I remember growing up, you know, hearing what all the media thought of her and shit like that. And they, of course, show this in the documentary. What I didn't get was her story of what it was like growing up in Ireland until you watch the documentary. It's called Nothing Compares. I think it's on Prime. And it is a fucking whole different world in the 1980s in Ireland than it was in the 1980s in the U.S. Like, absolutely two different planets. And you'd think, I would think, I mean, I have Irish ancestors in my bloodline. Betty O'Reilly, my grandmother, uh, which was later changed to Riley. A lot of them dropped the O when they came across the pond. Um, I would think that is damn similar. You know, I'd think it's similar in England. I think it's similar anywhere where the, the <laughs> Imperial uh, England or Britain uh, came and established a place. And I know that wasn't the case with Ireland, but I mean, for South Africa, for any, anywhere where there was a, you know, some colonization, some stamp of, Hey, this is ours. I mean, that's really what happened in the States. And, and uh, obviously there's wildly different experiences depending on which place you live in the States. It's such a vast area. And wildly different experiences on what happened to the Native Americans, even though there is really one story to be told of genocide. But modern culture, I figured modern culture would be the same or similar. And it was, and it's fucking world's different. So uh, really cool. Watch that documentary. It's mind blowing. And, you know, they don't cover everything with Sinead. Unfortunately, her story is way more fucking rough than what they include in that documentary. Um, if I can find a good article, I'll, I'll attach it in the show notes. So watch the documentary first, then read 
<laughs> what they didn't include, and that's that's even more heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, for for Kathy growing up in apartheid is fucking mind blowing to to hear that story. So you guys are gonna love this podcast. Um, share it wide. She's got a lot of medicine. I highly encourage you if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to work with Kathy. Do not hesitate to reach out to her. Uh, she is one of the favorite people I've ever worked with. And we've brought in many people in five years over the five years in fit for service. We have three or four events a year. And in every one of those events, we'll bring in three or four amazing experts from different fields. And Kathy is up there with anyone we've ever brought in as, as far as I'm concerned. And so if you feel the calling to work with her, absolutely do. And that could be on the business side of things. Uh, that could be on the relationship side of things for personal relationships, one-on-one relationships, whatever the case is, she is a gem and, uh, and I love her deeply. So support the show by sending it to a friend, share it far and wide, leave us one five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify with, with, um, one or two ways the show has helped you out in life, how it's changed you, um, what you've gained from it and the best, the best review will get a free package from me at the end of the month. So leave your Twitter uh, Instagram or Facebook handle. And if uh, the team says it's the best, then we're going to send you my favorite product from Organifi. They've been a long, very long, I think the longest running sponsor on this podcast. We've got some other great sponsors on this podcast supporting. The final way you can support this podcast is by purchasing stuff from our sponsors. These guys support the show and make it fiscally possible. They've all been hand selected. They are absolutely incredible. Today's first sponsor is Hostage Tape. It's been a lot of talk over the years since um, Breathe by James Nestor came out. And before that, The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McCown. We really started to understand the science on breathing and how mouth formation takes place. I did a great podcast with my holistic dentist, Dr. Kevin Winters, that really broke down the science behind this. But if you don't want to read those books and you don't want to dive deep into it on the podcast, understand that when we tape our mouths, we have improved sleep, decreased snoring, and we enjoy a ton of health benefits that come with sleeping well. Uh, these guys make the very best mouth tape on the planet. It fits easily. If you've got a beard, uh, it will fit over your beard and still have some, some holding power, even though for a lot of people that, that can tend to be an issue. But better sleep. You're immediately going to find deeper, more restful sleep when you begin solely breathing through your nose at night. As you effectively and efficiently breathe through your nose, your heart rate decreases and your body releases less adrenaline. Sleep studies have shown keeping your mouth shut while sleeping can also reduce and eliminate snoring. Your body will improve your oxygenation level in your blood, reducing the brain fog you may feel in the morning. Better fitness. When you breathe through your nose, your body extracts more oxygen, maintaining a steady breathing pattern. Leveled heart rate and pushes more nitric oxide to your muscles. It helps maintain posture. Better form and movement means less injury and better sessions. So you're really doing less for more reps, less breaths that provide more oxygen to your muscles. Better mental health. Nasal breathing has been shown to reduce anxiety and promote relaxation. Nasal breathing also helps regulate the body's oxygen and carbon dioxide levels, lower heart rate, and improve brain function, which can improve sleep quality and overall health. Mouth tape is a safe and non-invasive solution that can be used by anyone experiencing anxiety. It's also an affordable alternative to other anxiety management techniques, such as therapy or medication. This shit works. There's no doubt about it. Better for oral health. I highly recommend you listen to the podcast I did with Dr. Kevin Winters. We really deep dive this. Uh, periodontal disease, tooth decay, gum inflammation, all this stuff is, is improved by sleeping with your mouth shut and morning breath and a whole host of other shit, allergies, uh, you name it. So there's so much that, so much science that goes into this. And any of these books will really deep dive this topic, but the easiest fix 
the easy, I mean, that's all the why we should be doing this, but the easiest fix is to simply tape your mouth at night. And for a lot of people who have sinus issues, nasal issues, allergy issues, like, but if I do that, I won't be able to breathe. The more you do it, the more nitric oxide your body will produce, which will open up the nasal pathways and open up and vasodilate the interior of your body, which is going to allow for better oxygen movement and better nutrition and better restoration of your brain at night, which is really what's happening while we're sleeping. Check it all out, H-O-S-T-A-G-E-T-A-P-E.com slash KKP to claim your free offer. That's hostagetape.com slash KKP to claim your free offer. Again, you have to use the link hostagetape.com slash KKP and you'll get your free offer there from those guys. Love these guys. They're doing great stuff and I have had uh, great sleep ever since switching over to these guys from standard athletic tape, which is not a fucking good remedy. Next today, we're brought to you by a very long-term sponsor, lucy.co, that's L-U-C-Y dot C-O. Remember to use the promo code KKP at checkout. You're gonna get 20% off everything there. The government is banning vapes. The government is reducing the amount of nicotine in cigarettes. There's never been a better time to give Lucy a try. They have great flavors, multiple strengths, and the only nicotine pouch with a capsule inside that keeps it fresh. Look, we're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. We're closing this year off. I mean, we're feeling, today it was 72 degrees in the morning, and that's a fucking 10 degree jump down. So (laughs) we jumped from 106 down to 108. We've had a very long summer and a very long drought in Austin. And um, I kind of scoffed at the drought last last year, thinking it was no big deal. I was like, man, I'm from California. That's a real drought. And then, uh, you know, watching our ponds pretty much reduced to zero from a two and a half acre pond to now maybe a half acre the drought's real and the heat's real. So when it drops, I'm like, this is a big fucking deal. This feels good. But what that season change means to me is that I really have to have a hard check on what I was trying to accomplish this year. What were the things that I set out to do differently this year? New Year's is coming, right? And there's nothing more important than at the end of the year to actually reflect on the year prior and say, did I do the damn thing I claimed I was going to do? Why wait till the end of the year to try something that can be a huge improvement in the way that you consume nicotine. Uh, These guys have different strengths. So if you want just a low dose for a little perk, if you want a higher dose, they have that as well. All of this is available to you in the most convenient way. You have no problem working with this stuff on airplanes. Uh, We're gonna have a lot more restrictions on airplanes coming if you've been paying attention. So uh, I will be talking more and more about that as it comes to transpire, but just just understand that that, uh, restrictions are coming back. And you don't want somebody in your face about what you're doing to, to tune in and, and get to the best feeling you can possibly have. Nicotine is an amazing, amazing chemical in that it is something that tune, turns your brain on and it simultaneously relaxes you. This is a phenomenal combo if you want to stay up and dive deeper into the, your work, if you are presenting something, podcasting, doing anything work-related, if you're studying for school or studying for work. Anytime you want to learn something new, dopamine is a huge factor in you remembering the learning process. And the fact that nicotine will help with that is a one-two punch that will absolutely help you with your learning and your recall. Check it all out, lucy.co, that's L-U-C-Y C-O, and use promo code KKP at checkout for 20% off everything in their store. We're also brought to you by homies at Buy Optimizers. You know I travel a lot and I often struggle with jet lag when traveling across multiple time zones. 
even just fucking one time zone, if I'm perfectly honest, if I fly back to San Diego to see Paul, if I fly to New York or Miami, you know, I'm just, it's, it's, it could be an hour difference, but it makes a difference. It could be difficult to adjust to a new schedule, which makes it challenging to fall asleep or stay asleep at the right times. I started taking Sleep Breakthrough and I felt a noticeable improvement in my ability to fall asleep quickly. Once I started using Sleep Breakthrough, I noticed that I was experiencing deeper, higher quality sleep than I had in a long time. I started using Sleep Breakthrough because I knew that deep sleep and REM sleep were important for rejuvenation, fat burning, and muscle building. Remember that. If you're not getting enough sleep or high quality of sleep, you're cock blocking your fat loss. That's Rob Wolf's quote, and I absolutely love it. Now I feel like I'm getting the quality of sleep I need to support my overall health and fitness goals. You will not get addicted to sleep breakthrough as a natural formula, which provides the body with precursors to melatonin and the necessary molecules to produce it naturally. Sleep breakthrough is a natural formula. This approach helps prevent dependency, downregulation, and the negative side effects of commonly associated sleep supplements, such as the sleep hangover. Visit sleepbreakthrough.com slash kingsboo. That's sleepbreakthrough.com slash kingsboo. And remember the code KINGSBOO10 at checkout in all caps, K-I-N-G-S-B-U, number one zero at checkout for 10% off. Last but not least, we've got the homies at Neurohacker from Neurohacker Collective. I've had James Schmachtenberger on this podcast multiple times. Uh, Their squad is fucking like Voltron from some of the smartest people I've ever met and been able to know. They have a very cool product, which we went in depth on in our last podcast, which I'll link to in the show notes, called Qualia Senolytic. Listen, I, I have a lot in my life that depends on me staying in my prime physically and mentally as, as long as possible. And I value the most research-backed ingredients known to science for a better aging process. Uh, to be personal, I just got back into jujitsu quite honestly, because my son is doing it and I know my daughter's going to do it. And I want to be able to do that with them. Not because I feel like I'll lose those skills. Obviously, um, you know, your blade gets dull when you don't keep it sharp, but I want to be able to roll with them as my dad did with me. And it would be really badass to have a photo of three generations of Kingsbury's all with their black belts sitting on the mat together or standing on the mat together training. And my dad still got his, he's 72. I think he'll be around when Bear gets his and that's something I really enjoy. I've been coaching, volunteering, coaching at Gracie Humida Monday through Thursday. It's been great. Um, I want to be able to last as long as possible doing that. I also want my brain to last as long as possible. It's one of the reasons I retired from the UFC at 32 years old. I fully recognized and saw guys going into their early to mid forties and doing quite well financially. Some of them in their prime in their early to mid forties because they had better experience and better technique and they knew how to take care of themselves. That said, I didn't want to sacrifice my brain for that. So cognitive function, super important to me. Bodily and physical function, performance, super important to me. And it always will be. And that's why in talking with James, I realized such an important piece here is in what we do for our bodies, like fasting, going without, sauna and ice bath, different things that can help facilitate cellular turnover and and help with longevity in the aging process. And in addition to that, just two days a month, you can take seven of the most science-backed senolytic ingredients in one formula called Qualia Senolytic. Just two days a month for fast, noticeable benefits and a much better aging process. This has been awesome. I've had it for the last couple of months, and I think it is something that everyone should have in their crew. If you are in your late 20s or older, adding Qualia Senolytic to your diet can play a crucial role in combating negative aging symptoms. 
Go to neurohacker.com slash KKP for up to 50% off Qualia Senolytic. And as a listener of the Kyle Kingsbury podcast, use code KKP at checkout for an extra 15% off your first purchase. That's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com slash KKP to try Qualia Senolytic with code KKP and start aging on your terms. Without further ado, my amazing friend, Kathy Courtney. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Kyle. It's so good to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, we, we like, like Guy, who I just got the podcast with, have really had the opportunity to get to know each other in, in pretty cool, unique settings where, you know, we're, you're either teaching circling or working on different aspects that, that crack the whole room open and, and working in fit for service. So I've really been able to see and witness your medicine firsthand. And then at the same time, you've been on the receiving end with me. We were partnered up in Montana for fit for service when Guy and uh, John Verveke ran us with the Dialogos into Dialectica or Dialectica into Dialogos. I forget the order there. And, um, and that was cool because, you know, you hadn't, I guess you hadn't done that before. And we got partnered together with a couple other people. And it was really awesome to be, you know, rookies instead of coaches right next to each other in the practice. And I feel like those, those circumstances have been amazing. Actually, my first time in circling, a similar thing happened with another coach. I got paired with Anahata, who, who you've met in Sedona and is just an incredible medicine woman. Uh, we're going to see her here in October. She'll be at our event and her and I are going to run um, a little soul wander on the land. So we're really excited for that. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, 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 I just feel blessed that in the last year, we've really been able to deep dive. And then, of course, you came out and worked with us privately. You worked with the farm team and you worked with the fit for service team, the warrior poet team. And we really got to plan and forecast. So there's so much there to unpack um, from your beautiful medicine bag. But I just want to say first and foremost, thank you so much for everything. Um, thank you because you you are absolutely changing lives in a way that that is palpable. It's visceral. Like I feel a, a weight lift when I'm in your presence. I feel a weight lift after I go through uh, conversations that are led from you and and that there is something there. I don't have that every day, especially you know, people always talk about podcasters will say how unique the conversation is in a podcast because there's no interruptions and there's nowhere else. Not even dinner can give you that. There's a waiter or there's a cell phone or something that pulls you away. And so I appreciate that. But I also really appreciate my time with you because that's that's on an order of magnitude deeper. You know, there's a depth to it and a quality to it that uh, that I don't get to experience in everyday life. So I just want to say that. As I mentioned to you before, you know, this podcast kind of has a similar arc through each one. And I'd love to hear about what life was like growing up for you. What choices did you make from an education standpoint? What, what were the big pivotal turns that took you in the direction that you're in? Because like Guy, it doesn't seem like there wasn't a college for this. You know, there wasn't something you could pick out in the courses manual at a university where you're like, we're going to do this now. You know, like you guys really... You, you, you've made it your own thing and created something from nothing, but clearly there is substance there. And so I'd love to love to hear about that trajectory. Mm, thank you, Kyle. Well, first I want to just say, oh, yeah, all those layers that we've had so far and the the how beautiful it is to be able to drop in in these really deep ways in these short moments. But what I was so excited about 
um, coming into this call today is you and I, like we, we've definitely had these sweet moments together and we had the circling and all that kind of stuff, but we haven't really had the space for an hour long conversation to talk about this stuff. So I feel all kinds of giddy inside of me <laughs> and I'm so grateful to be here with you. And I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate your heart, your ability to, to really show yourself and be vulnerable and the way you've showed up in all those spaces and just feeling a lot of appreciation for you. So thank you. Um, and where do I come from? That's, that's a good question. So I have this uh, sentence stem that I often uh, offer in my like circling or relational evenings. And the question is like, what is a coping strategy that you learned growing up that's now become your superpower? And so I love this question. When I look back, um, some pivotal things, I think a really important part of my story is I was born white in South Africa in apartheid. So I grew up in this really weird mix of kind of living a first world life in a third world country where 75% of the, of the population were black and were oppressed by the white government. And so I had that in my environment as well as um, kind of this British background. My family, you know, South Africa was a colony until the 60s of the Brits. So in my family, the, you know, that was very, very evident. There was a lot around politeness, persona, you know, this very particular way of being. And I can remember as a small kid, as a small kid, exactly the pinky. Pink, pinky's up. Yes, have your tea. The pinky goes up. Your teacup has to sit just right. The spoon has to sit right on the teacup. And that's just one little part of it. But also, I can remember as a small kid feeling really like a lot of dissonance in me that we had a, a black maid and a black gardener and that they were calling me madam when I was like eight, nine, ten and, and they were my seniors and that I would go to a white school and the only black South Africans I would see were the, the groundskeepers. And somehow inside of me, like the combination of that and then being in a house where, you know, with this kind of British politeness and appearance, I could feel so much tension always. And no one was talking about the elephant in the room. And I was just so sensitive to those dynamics and the things that weren't being said that I became highly attuned to them. And then also seeing the discrepancy of like this white government that was really religious, but oppressing, like not only oppressing, but torturing 75% of the population. So it literally hurt in my, in my little body. I was really sensitive to it. Fast forward, 1987, the height of apartheid, my dad had an opportunity to move to Rochester, New York. He worked with Kodak at the time, and they pulled everything out of South Africa because of apartheid. And I moved to this, like, you know, 
privileged, suburban, upstate New York, in Rochester, New York uh, community. And so it was like a really abrupt change and, and where politics and all of that had been my life, you know, it had been part of daily life. Then all of a sudden I'm like transported to this experience where nobody knows anything about South Africa. And they're all wearing like polo shirts and khaki shorts and loafers and you know it was just like such a, <laughs> it was such a weird contrast and i very quickly had to adapt to what was happening there in order to belong so anyway i found myself like when i went to college i studied dance and um and then like found myself on this track where i kept seeking these alternative pathways, really seeking freedom from all those restraints and trying to make sense of, of what I was experiencing before. So I did everything. I studied dance. I dove deep into um, like a somatic bodywork uh, program for four years, where literally my, like my final thesis was a whole piece around how to transcend our genetic coding. Um, and that was back in like early nineties. And I went to see Bruce Lipton speak and, you know, I know. And I got obsessed about like this idea that we can actually, that we're more than our DNA and that we can really transcend our genetic patterning, you know, and, and that was way before like epigenetics was talked about and all that kind of stuff. So I kept just following this thread. Um, and when I did that somatic body work, I was like, fuck, how do I talk about this and actually make money from it? Nobody knows what it was called body mind centering. Um, so I was like, I've got to dive into massage. People know what that is. And so I went down a whole body work train and, and then um, moved out from the Bay Area to Asheville and kind of dove, dove into some other things and followed my intuition. And I saw this, this woman was coming to Asheville. I was connected with her somehow on Facebook. And she was coming to do a workshop with Maladoma, like a grief workshop. And there was something about her that called me. And so I private messaged her and I was like, hey, you want to meet for tea while you're in Asheville? And that conversation literally changed my life because she was recently trained with Guy at the Circling Institute. And she was like, there's somebody I need you to meet. <laughs> <laughs> and so that conversation led to me reaching out to Guy and, and instantly there was this like brother-sister connection with Guy and at some point he said to me, like I had two small kids at that point and I couldn't go to the West Coast to do the whole training. And he said to me, there's something really important about this connection and I wanna train you like regardless of whether you can come or not. So let's, let's just dive in. So I had this really amazing uh, opportunity and experience to almost receive transmission from Guy. And before I knew it, he was pushing me in front of the rooms, like, here, you lead. <laughs> here, let's do this training. And before I knew it, we were sharing, we were co-leading a certification program in Asheville. So as I was developing my leadership and facilitation skills, 
um, with Guy, I was also really deeply like learning my circling, my circling skills and, and doing that all at the same time. And he created this amazing bridge for me. So I'm deeply, deeply grateful to Guy and all the work that he's done. And learning circling, it was crazy. It was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly how I've always wanted to relate. But there's actually a thing for it. And it just gave me this full permission to dive deeply into this like authentic way of being like really dropping into the relational field with somebody like healing so much of my own need for being seen and being understood and, and really accepting a lot of my own exiled parts. And once I was able to do that, then I was able to really like, learn to put myself in other people's shoes and then really get interested and curious about how they see the world. And then like, it just, it just went on from there. And then, you know, from there I gained the confidence, I gained the relational skills, I, I gained this way of being with people. And then I started to work one-on-one -on -one with people and then I got really interested in working with couples. And so I dove into some work um, at Relational Life Therapy. Um, the founder of that work is Terry Real, and got certified in that. And, and then at some point, I realized like, yeah, there's something, there's something about relationship, whether it's with myself, the relationship with myself, the relationship with my partner or my family or my community or how I'm seeing nature and the world around me, that's all kind of rooted in the same, the same place inside of myself, the same, the same tools, the same way of seeing things, the same way of being. And so then like it just started to expand and, you know, the funny, the last part of my story that I'll tell you and how I got to fit for service. I remember back in the early days of the pandemic, like being so disgusted by the narratives that were being fed. And I knew that wasn't the way, but I also wasn't like really wanting to go down deep rabbit holes. And that's when I found Aubrey actually and started listening to his podcast because I was really enjoying kind of the gray area conversations that he was making space for. And about three episodes, four episodes in, I remember saying like, oh, yeah, he's going to find circling and um, I'm probably going to be in that space at some point. <laughs> and literally a couple months after that, I received a text from Guy saying, hey, um, I'm going to be on this podcast and I've been invited to go and circle and I would really love for you to be there. And it's so funny. It, it, that, like when you guys were all supposed to get together, I know you didn't make it to that, to that original circling two-day experience. I actually, it was landed on my 50th birthday. And my partner at the time didn't want me to go. And I can't believe it. Like I, 
I guess it wasn't the time, but I wasn't ready to say goodbye to that relationship. So I, I said no the first time. And then a couple of months later, you know, Sedona came up and, and now it's a year later and there's been all this beautiful unfolding and all the relationships that have come with that. And I've just been like following all the breadcrumbs. And here we are. That's so dope. It's fine. I, I, I think of uh, somebody, I think it was on Guy's podcast where he was a different one, but somebody was asking me kind of like the, it was Guy's. And I was like, have you read The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho? And like, I didn't read that as a kid. I read it only a couple of years ago, but I was like, holy shit, this is exactly like my life. Like you get the breadcrumb, you say yes to it. And then everything pans out. There's a whole new world there. And then you get another breadcrumb and, and a you know, we put ourselves in these positions, right? And we trust the intuition when we get the, the God nod. But um, so it's not like it's just, you know, being served on a silver platter to us. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't come without hardship or, or, or uh, work. But it, there, it does seem like there's a thread there, you know, of clicking synchronicities where, where you look back and you're just like, damn, that's dope. Like, so there's a guiding hand in all this. And uh, that's so cool because you, you, you definitely, like the description of the last two years, is really exactly how, how I can feel like my, my life is gone. So that's so cool. Yeah, actually, the other one that, that happened was probably when I came to Texas in March for one of the summits, I had another gnosis drop in. I was like, I have a feeling I'm going to be somehow like a relational guide for some of the team. I didn't know how didn't know where, didn't even try. And like a couple, maybe like two months later, there was a little door that opened somehow. And then I followed that breadcrumb. And like literally within weeks, there I was sitting with the team and feeling completely like, yep, supposed to be here. Like, <laughs> so it's so much fun. It's so much fun to look back at those things and, and really get like, oh my gosh, like, I don't need to worry. I don't need to worry so much. Like, so much time is spent in that space of like, you know, is it going to be okay? Like, I like just that worry energy. Sure, there's like actions you need to take, there's skills you need to grow, all the things, you know, you need to show up, you need, you need to do all of that. But like, in those moments of worry, I really wish to, and, and it's less and less now, but I wish I could go back to my, you know, younger self and like soothe, soothe the part of me and say, just <laughs> hang on, sweetie, you're not quite there yet. It's okay. It's coming. So yeah. yeah. Take a deep breath. It pans out. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. than you can think it is. Yeah. When you, you said when you, um, when you met the first woman who introduced you to Guy, that she was coming to speak to Maladoma. Are you talking about Maladoma Patrice Omey, the author of yes. The Water and Spirit? That is so yes. cool. Did you get to meet him before he passed? I did not. Sadly, uh. I didn't. But he was in the Asheville area. And um, my friend, that was my friend Alita. And yeah, she came out to do a grief workshop. And if I'd only known back then, but I, I missed that opportunity. Yeah, when I, I had uh, Michael Mead on the podcast, who's just a brilliant poet and author and um, he was, we were talking about initiation and I said, one of my favorite books was by this guy, Maladoma Patrice Somay of, of the water and spirit. And he told this awesome story where they got connected from a friend and, and he was really brought in to be his mentor. Cause he was really depressed working at a university full time. 
And then of course this, this becomes like this beautiful friendship where they both get to learn a ton from each other over the years. I'm like, how fucking cool is that? <laughs> like, how, how cool is that? That's so awesome. Um, and it, and it speaks volumes to like where Michael Mead is at. Like, how did you become Michael Mead? Well, you know, I was doing all these things. I fasted for a long time and then this thing happened, you know? And it's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes yeah, a lot of sense. It does. And there's something really, what I'm coming to understand now is that the more we drop into our essence and like what our path is and the sort of what we were here for and get out of the way those sorts of opportunities just keep showing up. And it's just about like recognizing that God nod and saying yes and trusting your instinct. And like, you know, you just keep doing that. And somehow the hand is really there to to help that process because you're meant to be doing the thing you're doing and the guides and all the, the unseen come in to support that. Because that's what the world is needing. The world needs your particular signature in that particular way. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that came up for me while you were talking about, um, while you were talking about, you know, all the proper, you know, everything that you had to, then the elephant in the room. And and, um, I think about that now, like I I watch, it's funny because teaching my kids now what, proper manners are loosely is not the same thing as like etiquette class, which a lot of women would have to go to as, as young women. And, um, you know, like that influence from the empire more, more or less, right. Like, and where that touches and how it imprinted different parts of the United States, like the South was always very proper. And I, I loved the the scene. I don't know if you ever watched it on Ollie G where Borat goes to learn manners in the South. <laughs> <laughs> it is the best thing ever. Like I was in tears watching. It's still one of my favorite scenes out of all his, all his improvs. But um, oh my gosh, think, thinking of that it makes me think because you know the the contrast is perfect, right? Like circling to me, if I was to just in a nutshell describe it, it feels like I'm peeling layer after layer after layer of myself until I get to the core. That core is exposed to the person in front of me, and if they've done it right, they've done the same thing. They've they mm-hmm. peeled layer after layer after layer until we see each other for who we really are, and and feel each other. And and on on every, seeing doesn't quite capture it, right? Because it's it's all the way through. There's a visceral there's a visceral feeling that takes place when you get to the center. And it seems like the way you were raised, the way many people were raised from, from empire is, is to add layers. Like you're adding layers of persona of the mask of the shoulds of, of this is what, this is how we live. This is what makes us civilized and shit like that. And so it's it's really, you know, as you're describing that, I was like, Oh, this actually makes perfect sense. (laughs) You you were, you had layers just fucking thrown on you like blankets. And then you just started peeling them off and you found the thing that would peel them all off. Yes, I love what you're bringing up. Like there, there's multiple things there. Um, there is something that I do actually appreciate about some of that because I think there was also some grace or some sense of grace that was offered or elegance that I did receive through the line of my mom that like that is part of, that is actually a part of the essence so there, there's pieces of that layering that like I've had to sort through, you know, I, I love my, I actually love my manners. I love that I can be invited to any room and I know how to show up. And like, when we talk about our kids, I was recently with 
a kid that didn't have any of those manners, you know, like some of those feral kids that you, that you come across. <laughs> and I get where the feral kid syndrome thing comes from. It's like, it's a pendulum swing from too many manners and too much restriction. But there is something just beautiful about a kid that can really say thank you and have manners and all that kind of stuff. It's just really hard to sort through that. And with my own kids who are now 15 and 20, you know, I, I look back at how I parented them in the early days and I still had a lot of that in the background, you know, like at my dinner table with my dad and my family, dinner was probably my most stressful time of the day because my dad was literally sitting there like a hawk watching every single one of us. And there was a constant, you know, my, to my brothers and my sister and I, take your elbows off the table, pull your plate closer, hold your knife and fork like this. I mean, constant. And my sister and I would sit there in so much nervous tension that sometimes we would get that little nervous giggle. And that was like the worst possible thing. And we would have to work so hard to contain <laughs> <laughs> which now of course as adults we can have a lot of laughter and you know have a little cannabis and laugh about laugh about the old times but um so for my own parenting like learning the balance of that and I've actually even said to my youngest daughter recently like I am sorry I am sorry for the background of that that is now kind of contributed to a people pleasing or like uh, you know, a way that she might feel she needs to show up. Um, that is like a little extreme in a sense. So I apologize for that. And, and now there's a new layer of like how to really hands off that and see where it's coming in and, and show up right now in parenting in a way that she really gets to be fully who she is. So I just wanted to name that. And then I wanted to go back to what you said about circling, because that's really like, that felt really, really powerful to me. So the big overarching thing about the layers and layers, and then really seeing both you with your unlayered and being in my unlayered place and that kind of like naked vulnerability and all the like strategies and all the ways we've we've learned to kind of control our connection and our communication and when we put those aside and we really are just relating like really authentically relating um without knowing what's coming next you know that way of being feels so important at this moment in history. I was listening to um, one of Aubrey's most recent podcasts with that woman, Pippa. Yeah, that was a great podcast. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Aliens, let's go. <laughs> yeah, holy crap. I'll link, to this in the, I'll link to it in the show notes. If you haven't heard, I'll link in the show notes for people. There was so many aspects. I just didn't love the title of it because it was a little alarmist. Mm -hmm. It was like World War Three and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> yeah. But there was so much more to it. And what I really got from that conversation, they actually touched on it was with the increase in pace in technology and AI and all the things and how AI can go in, 
you know, towards the light and the dark, right? Like an expression of humanity. It feels that much more important and urgent that we as humanity and our relational field and coming to this more human approach of being together, that we do that quickly, that we shed and we move away from the polarization that's happened, from the like individualistic way of being and come more into an us perspective. And so this ability to shed those strategies and to come into this naked truth and honesty with each other feels super important. Yeah, we, we, we got to talk a little bit about that, I think, uh, on the first or second time we were hanging out at the events. And so much one of the things they speak to, too, as well, outside of AI, is just the, the, the pace of technology and the amount that of access that we have, right? Like the cell phones, there's so many draws, so many things that are pinging us to take our attention away. And you, you can get lost in, in who you are on Instagram or who you are on online. You can get lost in the, which, which are, you know, as real as you are online, it's still a persona. It's still not, you're not, they don't get to see everything else that happens, right? They get to see the, the one year anniversary with me and Tosh. They don't get to see the arguments and how we work through that. They don't get to see the, you know, the elbow grind that parenting can be, right? Other parents know it, right? They're like, yeah, it's, it's a grind. I mean, and, and, and they might think in them to themselves, well, they look like they figured something out or they might say, no, they're in the grind too, if they know better, right? So I think there's, there's, there's a lot there, but it reminds me, um, it reminds me of the Hopi prophecy where, where they spoke about, you know, the different, the different cultures white people being fire. So white people spreads the fire land to land like imperialism and that fire spreads. And it's a good thing. Fire clears the land. Right. And, and, and there's positives there. Um, but these, these four, four elements start to work together. If they don't work together, humanity enters a very dark time, right? If we can learn the benefits of each other culturally, that has, that has, that leads us into the light. But one of the things they mentioned, the elders mentioned is that at this time, there's such an acceleration in events and such an acceleration at the speed of light that the wise ones will know to slow down, to actively slow down in the face of that, right? And I think circling and, and what you're doing is you're, is you're actually, you know, in peeling layers, it's forcing us to slow down and come home. Mm-hmm. It's forcing us to discard all of the extras, all of the speedy now, 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 all of the, the the erratic thoughts and the knee-jerk responses to things and just come to the quiet center. Mm-hmm. And from there, there that is an entry point into, into exactly what they're talking about. It's an entry point to connection. And, and that connection is the only way that the four groups actually come together and learn from one another, mm-hmm. right? Because if it's still modeled around the old, then, then it's, it's, there's, there's no entry point there. It's still, you know, win-lose dynamics. What can I get from them? How am I going to come out on top? all that type of thinking. Absolutely. And what I want people to really get is that this isn't a big, like, have to be a big game changer, you know, big, big personality with a huge platform to make positive impact. It really starts in your own relationships, in your own household with the people that you love. And there's very specific things like, very specific, simple, yet not so simple things, you know, not so simple because we're caught in our defenses. We're, we're, we have relational trauma. We're protective of, of those owie parts of ourselves. We haven't even fully accepted 
all of who we are. Um, so there's there's so many tools and things, but there's a couple key things that literally can be game changes inside of your own household. And when, for instance, like if you're in a partnership, a romantic partnership, you know, it might be good enough, but there's things that you can do to make it more great and to go into more of a conscious place together. And, and I really believe that creating conscious relationships has like a really big impact on not only your family, but your community. And, and, and then it just spreads. I mean, we all know what it's like when you're in a healthy relationship. Like I'm sure you and Tasha get this kind of feedback. I know not everything is always rosy, but there is, there's, you two have a beautiful, sweet bond. It's evident, and I can see it with your kids. I can see it around you. So your relationship is really, it, it impacts, it has a ripple. You create, a, you know, and you're a model. And so I think if we can really tend to our relationships with our loved ones and with our children and with, you know, in teams, if you, if you work with a team of people, like, it really, really matters how we're relating to each other. And one of the biggest things that I notice, and it goes back to that elephant in the room, that the doorway to that change is often the thing that you're avoiding. It's a thing that you're avoiding seeing, saying, looking at, addressing. Like that thing, that prickle, whatever, whatever it is, you know, maybe there's a, an act like a behavior that your partner is demonstrating that you don't like, but you, you're afraid to, you know, upset the apple cart or for whatever reason, you, you just kind of adapt around it, but then resentment builds and there's less honesty and, you know, and then there's all these like negative impacts from that. So it's the thing that you're most afraid to address or say or whatever that is often the key to more depth of connection, closeness, and transformation. I let you read my mind because I wanted to ask about relationships. And uh, when you started taking those courses on relationships and, and, and diving in deeper into that, you said you were, you're the, the previous partner wanted, didn't want you to go on your 50th birthday. And I've seen you. You're still with Mark, correct? Yes, this is before Mark. Okay, I've seen you with Mark, and I'm like, these guys are fucking awesome. Like, I I, I feel that glow around the two of you, the 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 way most, as you described me and Tosh, and um, that's really refreshing. Like, it's really awesome to be in the presence of a couple that that you can tell have sorted some shit out. Like, you can you you know communication styles, uh, you know, just everything everything seems to be in. There's a harmony there when I'm around the two of you. And so, Mike, I was wondering because you you just took it there in relationships. There's 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 nothing more important than that. Like literally, your relationship to yourself, how you relate to the world, how you relate to people one on one. And uh, are you familiar with Dolores Cannon? No. She was an awesome woman who who was a. Uh, um, she looks like everyone's grandma. You know, like she's oh. just this awesome lady. She passed away a few years back, but. She had written a number of books. She was she got deep into a certain type of hypnosis where she could now talk to the higher self, soul, that kind of thing. And so she wrote many books. Uh, one of them was called The Three Waves of Volunteers in a New Earth. 
Mm. And it's it's out there for people that aren't, don't like the woo-woo shit, but it's awesome because thousands of people she had worked on. It started with like, um, you know, smoking cessation, alcoholism, sex addiction, and just the, the regular run-of-the-mill bullshit to help people heal from that. And then it started going really deep. And uh, one of the things she said that most souls asked was, you know, if they knew they had, they had a purpose in coming in this time and space, they would always feel something similar. Am, am I impacting enough? Is my reach broad enough? Right. And the answer every time from her high self was if you only impact one person, you've planted a seed. Right. And that has a ripple effect on everything. So I, I, I take that to heart. That was like a, right when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, like full body resonance. My whole body said yes to that. I think we can oftentimes get caught up, especially in the world of how many followers do I have? How many likes when we used to have likes, you know, (laughs) like how many thumbs up on YouTube? Um, And just, it is a refreshing thing to to realize, like my impact on one person is an impact on the all. And if I can focus on that, then I can, I can change the world by changing my my relationship with this one person. And, you know, you, you, I'm sure you've rabbit holed the psychology around relationships and parenting the relationship mom and dad have is a bigger impact on the kids than anything you say to them. You know, <laughs> you can tell your daughters was what kind of man you should grow up and look for. They're watching you, you mom and dad the whole time to figure out what they're going to be attracted to, what they're going to be averted to. And that, that in and of itself, because kids are sponges is something that'll have a bigger imprint and impact on them on lifelong than anything else you do. You're like, it's the, the relationship, right? It's the relationship that they witness that they, that they draw in and, and draw from as they become older and drop into their own relationships. Absolutely. And and re- relationship is the place where we get to heal our relational trauma. And so, you know, you mentioned Mark. I have been through my own curriculum. It's so funny. Relationship has always been the thing that I've seen life through. It's my dharma. And yet, you know, I've had a lot of, you could say failed relationships, but actually, again, when I look back, they were a curriculum because I had to work through my own relational trauma with my own dad. Um, And that like, that's a whole interesting story. And I can see how I needed to repeat that dynamic for quite some time. And and it looked different. It looked a little different every time. So I got, you know, so I just enough so that I thought, oh, okay, (laughs) I'm better now. (laughs) But I realized like, you know, the last one was, I, I feel not that I've completely healed that. I think it's a continual, you know, as a, as a codependent sort of in, in healing or, um, in recovery, it's something I always have to pay attention to. Um, but it's been my own curriculum, and I'm so grateful for every single one of those relationships. And, you know, you, you talked about Mark and I, and I I do feel that harmony with him, and there is such a matched resonance. And, you know, we're just a year in, but, like, all the tools and all the things that that I've gained, it's like there's such a matched resonance around that and such a, a matched capacity to be with the difficult things and to work through them in a really conscious way. And I'm getting to have this just really corrective experience. It's, it's almost like the younger self 
knew that this is what I was was in the stars for me or like where I was headed, but I had to go through all of these learnings with each relationship and each one I'm so deeply grateful for. And, um, you know, even now I know like there's no, there's no guarantee for the future. Um, I hope that I can have longevity like you and Tasha. <laughs> um, and yes, like the impact can really happen right here with this one person. And even before that, there's something about really being seen and being able to accept all the parts of myself before I can even be in that relationship in a healthy way. And that's like, I feel like that's really the, like the work is if, if somebody out there is like, in a very in a relationship that has a lot of tension, maybe there's a lot of arguing, a lot of triggering happening. Chances are that there's some inner healing that needs to take place, you know, and that anytime you're finding yourself in those conversations over and over again, that you know it's really a good bet that you need to not engage in those and instead like find a way to regulate yourself before you have those conversations. So there's, there's more I could say about that, but I want to stop there and see if there's anything that is inspired in you to share. Yeah. Well, I just want to say, you know, my, we just celebrated 12 years of being together and, and living together and eight, our eighth wedding anniversary, but it's, we've been, we've been married for 12 years. Like you move into somebody it's, it's game on. And the first year was like, Whew, like we had, I, I I really felt like I had called in. I, I dispensed it to use him as a verb. I dispensed my wife and, and uh, you know, I just, I, I called it in and, and I knew I wasn't going to find Miss Perfect because I wasn't Mr. Perfect, but I was going to find somebody that I could grow with. We'd grow together and we'd have a lot of work. But that first year it was like, wow, she's pointing out all the things that I can't see. <laughs> she could see them so clearly. You know, I, I, I thank God for the plant medicines because it actually allowed me to experience being her and seeing from her eyes what I was doing to myself with alcohol and cocaine and all the stupid shit I was into since, you know, college really. And still after fights and, um, and beyond that as well, like so many, so many other things, but my very first vision I had on ayahuasca, I became her and I relived every argument we had ever had in the, in the history of our relationship at that point. And this is like, we're like two years into it. And, um, but I, and I, I've looked down, I had breasts, I had the long hair, you know, the curly hair, and I'm looking up at me yelling. I'm a foot taller than her. I'm looking at me yelling. And, and the words that were coming out of my mouth were the words that Kyle would understand. And so I, simultaneously, I'd feel this imprint of like, oh, it was like getting to relive all the old experiences, but see it from her lens. Wow. And the, the, main, the main takeaway was everything she was saying was in love. She wasn't nagging. She wasn't pissed. She wasn't any of those things. She was trying to communicate her love and to say like, fucking wake up, take care of yourself. Stop doing this. Right. And, um, and you know, I fucking floodgates. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying for like two weeks. And when I got home, she hadn't gone to that one. She was like, I don't want to shit or vomit in the woods. Uh, you go and tell me if it's worth it. And I came back and, <laughs> and you know, that it was worth it. So she's, she's been right there with me for most of them since then. But there's experiences like that that really offer, you know, like you walk a mile in this person's shoes, that kind of thing that it's kind of hard to accomplish that. But like on a soul level, you know, this medicine allowed it. And um, since then, 
you know, it's not like we have had no arguments since then. Ten, 10 more years have been added to that and kids and parenting and all the other things. But with that, I at least there's like a little, a little knock on the door quietly behind me. If I'm like in my thing or I'm triggered or I'm not like at my center, that's just like, remember it's with love. And I'm like, okay, all right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, I need to go for a walk real quick. I'll come back. We can continue in 10 minutes, something like that, you know, where I just take a little pause, reset myself and come back and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. everything has changed so dramatically since then, but, but mm. yeah, still work every step of its work. So yeah, you know, first year, yeah. lots of work, lots of work for people. Even if you are a relationship coach, even if you have figured shit out, even if you know, you're an empty nester or any of these things, like it's all, it's always going to be work, especially in the early on just to, to find the common ground and the communication style. So, but you're in no better position now that then, you know, this is the best, this is the best you, you could bring to a relationship. So that's really cool too. Totally. I love that story. That is such a gorgeous story that you've got to experience yourself through her body and her, you know, her experience. What a gift. Um, yeah. There's a lot of little pieces that came up around that. Um, so what I heard was, like now that when you get triggered or upset, all you have to do is kind of drop into that love space and you go for a walk. Is that, is that like your go-to? Yeah. yeah. If I need, if I need space, walking is the very best because mm-hmm. I can't sit with it, right? Like walking allows me to breathe through it. It allows me to move through my body. It's something active. That's not overexerting. It's not like I need to go lift weights or go for a run and hide from the thing, but I can walk and I can contemplate and just release and come back to my center. Yeah. Perfect. I love that you're saying that. And there's lots of different ways to do that. Um, You know, for me, it's also walking. For some people, it's really doing conscious breath work, you know, like basically just anything that's going to like calm your nervous system, because in that moment, you're in a sympathetic nervous system state and you want to bring your parasympathetic nervous system back on board and come back to your center. Um, And then like, I do feel called if it's cool with you to share like the process of repair. Would that be good? Yes, yes please. Hell yes. I really, really want people to have some tools. So anytime that you're in a thing with your partner and you're feeling that activation, you're feeling triggered. Um, and that may be, you know, you notice your heartbeat faster you notice your palms getting sweaty you notice you can't hear your partner anymore like you're you're just not hearing your partner it is always 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 a good a, a good thing to say like i need i need a timeout like let's take a timeout and you don't just take a timeout endlessly until you're until you're ready it's an agreed upon time it's like can you give me 20 minutes or maybe it's an hour for me to just regulate. And then I want to come back to this conversation. And then in that 20 minutes, if you're still not calm, you you have the communication. I just need another 10 minutes. But it's important for all those like anxious attached people out there to not just leave it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I need to go regulate. And then two days later, you come back for the conversation. (laughs) Now that that's blown over, we're we're good. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely not good. Anyway, but when you come back, the good, like, a good sort of feedback wheel. So this comes from different places, but it's, it's when X happened, when you said X, 
the story I made up about it was. And this is how I felt about it. And then there might be a followed up request. So it could be, you know, when you walked in the kitchen and you shut the cupboard when you got your coffee mug loudly, I made up a story that you were pissed off at me for what I said earlier. And, and I'm mad because, you know, you haven't, you're just not getting me and you're not hearing what I'm trying to say. And that has me feel really hopeless. It has me feel hopeless about our relationship and it has me feel like misunderstood and not heard. And, and I have a request. It would really, really help me if we could sit down and make some time for you to really like listen consciously to, to what I'm trying to share with you. Can you make that happen? And then partner B, the other partner, the rule of thumb is you say yes to that unless it's at too much of a cost to you, like too much of a compromise, right? So we can talk about that. But, but that's the general, that's the gist of it. You come back and you say, when X happened, this is the story I made up about it. This is how I felt about it. And this is what I might need right now. So I'm going to pause there and um, I'm imagining you and Tasha do something similar to that already. Yeah. I mean, when we, I think you were there for, for my talk and I hadn't talked about it in a few years, but we are, we're, when we, when we were in an open relationship in an open marriage, how much pressure that fucking put on the system. And so I read nonviolent communication. I read more than two an ethical guide to polyamory. I was reading pretty much anything to get my hands on that would help me you know, understand better. We read mastery of love together out loud and like went over at the end of each chapter, you know, where are we at with this? Do we agree with Don Miguel Ruiz? Are we doing it yet? How can we improve? We did a lot of things that really built our relationship, but um, dang it. Where are we just at with the, well, you were talking great, about how you do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that to me, you know, that, that, that set that he talks about nonviolent communication, this is what happened in my mind or as I see it, you know, the story I made up, I like that better. Um, and, and, and then getting to the need and then making the request. One of the things I love when he talks about the request is it's only a request. If you will allow other ways for the need to be met, if it has to be done the way that you want it, it's not a request it's a demand. Totally. Right? So I'm constantly working with that in my head. Like don't make it a demand, make it a request, you know, like allow different ways for that need to be met. And I feel it's such an important piece when I you know, work with clients, things like that. Most people don't get to the need. They haven't looked inward enough, right? And I was this way too, where I was just hung up on what happened and this is how you made me feel, not what is the core need that's not being met here, right? Because that's the remedy to it all. That's, that's how, how it goes in uh, full circle and you actually can have um, growth from it and, and healing from it and, and, uh, so yeah, that's been a big part for me is like really sitting like, holy shit, I'm off center. I don't feel good. I'm angry. Uh, I feel like I'm being attacked, right? Like my parents would talk to me. Now I feel like I'm being attacked just like a little boy in front of his parents. Um, and what do I actually need from from this? You know, and then, you know, sometimes the need is is something I can do too. You know, like I'm uncertain about the world. I need to feel secure in myself before I can relay the mountain energy and be secure with you, 
you know, and that it could be right there for me to meet that request too. But understanding that is such a big, a big piece. I love that you mentioned that because it's, it's a, it's one that's missed off and it's one that I missed all the time. And I think it's been one of the the things that's helped me the most is understanding the, the request for the need to be met. Yes. And also the other piece that I left out is getting consent. Like, Maybe there's something that you already have and you've kind of been in your own process working out why, you, why you're upset about something or why you were hurt about something. Then it's always good to ask consent. I have something on my heart. Is now an okay time to share? Or is there, you know, is there another time? So now you, have, now you have consent and you've entered a container together. And as the partner that's listening and receiving this really dropping into your deep listening, not listening to respond, not listening to like, when is it going to be my turn or making it about you, that you're really listening with an open curiosity and with a desire to understand. So that's like, that takes practice because if you start to pay attention to your listening, you'll realize that a lot of times you're not. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that is just like the hard fact about it. Like we all need to understand that, you know, that we're most of the time we're not really listening. And so it's, it's an ongoing evolution, our ability to listen. So coming back to your breath, coming back to presence and really receiving the feedback. And then if a request is made, and maybe there's an apology, too, that needs to be made. And it's not just a, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. It's a, I hear, like, you actually, you know, paraphrase back what you heard. So I heard, I heard you say that when, when I, you know, shut the cupboard in the kitchen, you thought I was mad at you, and that brought up all this stuff. And, yeah, I know, like then you, you actually take accountability. I know that sometimes I do hold on to things and I have like been kind of aggressive in my, when I get angry and I know that I can be that way sometime. And, and I'm really sorry. I'm sorry for the impact that had on you. Um, because the thing is, is that you said it before the system, we're in a system. So Really, like you apologizing, you're taking accountability and you actually meeting the requests, if it's not too much of a compromise to you, like it's not going to hurt you, it's good for the system and that's good for you. You know, so we have to get out of this like tit for tat mentality, like because we're part, we're part of a system, an ecosystem, and we have to remember that. Yeah, I love that. It's making me think of uh, Mark Gaffney, where he rolls from role mate to soulmate to whole mate, right? And in role mate, it is tit for tat. It's like you you want to mention, oh, by the way, while you were gone, you know, I took the liberty of doing the dishes just in case you didn't notice, or, <laughs> or you know, like hey, I, I vacuumed, I vacuumed the whole house upstairs, all the rooms, you know. So don't worry about that. I took care of it, you know. It's like it is, <laughs> You want the acknowledgement, like you're you're writing on a chalkboard. You're you're throwing in your you know you're throwing your marks on the chalkboard of what everyone's contributed in in the rollmate thing, right? And but you transcend and include these, right? It's not like you move into soulmate, and all of a sudden you you lose track of who takes care of who or who you know provides in different ways. Like all that remains, but you move beyond it, you know. And, And as you know, his trajectory and moving beyond soulmate, where we're two designed for each other into wholemate, is that now we share. 
we share a shared horizon. We're yeah. able to look into the future together, arm in arm. And that can go for any relationship. Um, in particular, that's something I've been working on a lot with Aubrey and Eric Godsey and Caitlin. What is the shared horizon that we see? And what's the best way to approach that? You know, so we're, we're, we're all working to be homemates together, you know, since, since Mark taught us that. Um, can I, can I insert something else? I'm glad you brought up Mark Gaffney because when you were talking about Tasha in the first year and how she was pointing out all these things you were doing and she, she probably, I imagine she saw, she saw your higher version of yourself. And another thing Mark Gaffney says is that he's, I heard this in the Holy and the Erotic. I love it so much. It's become a guiding principle for me is it is my job in this relationship to be the midwife of your higher self. Oof, that's juicy. Isn't <laughs> it? So good. Yeah. Isn't it? So what does that actually really mean? And it means, you know, and I've been like jostling around with this a little bit because, because I am so aware of dynamics and the unseen and the unspoken, like my gift is to sit and talk with somebody and pull out the thing that they're not seeing and give it back to them in a loving way that like, like has them really see what's happening. It becomes a little challenging sometimes in relationship because I'm seeing the thing, but then it becomes like, how much is it my job to like tell you your thing versus me just claiming my boundary and the way that that thing is actually impacting me because your like you know my analysis and my like uh my seeing of what i think your unhealthy pattern is with your family and your child and the way you're showing up in all these places like yeah i can see it but it's not like, I don't really, really know, but also, like, that's your side of the street. Where it becomes my side of the street is how those behaviors are impacting me. And I get to say, you know what? When X happens, this is the impact on me, and it's not working for me. Like, I have a request of X. That's, like, that's where I'm coming to now, Kyle, is, like, that's my role is to stay on my side of the street, but to be clear about what's happening for me and own my experience in it. And then my partner gets to do what they want with that information. And then I get to watch and see. And for now, like up until now, you know, with Mark in particular, every time I do that, I'm like really happily, like pleasantly and positively uh, not surprised, but just happy to see that there's this invitation that's given and each invitation is, is alchemized really, really quickly. And it's that thing that you said with Tasha that you wanted somebody that you could grow with, you know, and like that, that's really the key, I think, is to continue to have this, you talked about a shared horizon, like what is the purpose of our relationship? What are we What's the purpose for us and what's the impact we want to have on others? Like, what is that shared horizon? And it's, it's that we're working, like our relationship is helping us to be the better versions of ourselves so that like in that harmony and in that higher kind of higher vibration and conscious relationship, 
then we're positively impacting like side by side, sometimes together, sometimes in a project together, but like side by side, impacting those around us and inviting them into their highest selves. Bam. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> and, you know, I know for some people like hearing this, uh, like I shared something like this with somebody recently and they're like, well, that sounds like a great relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and what I got from that was that they were not experiencing that. Right. So there, yeah. there's a lot of people that it's been rough these last few years. It's, it's been really rough. Like, you know, we all know the fact is right. The, the polarization, the separation, we, we were already suffering with loneliness and disconnection before the pandemic. And now everything, you know, that's gone virtual. And, and I do feel like I feel a lot of sense of hope because there's so many beautiful, like on the ground communities coming together, like so many. Um, so I feel a lot of hope. And there's a lot of people kind of stuck in, in like patterns of, of disconnection and upset. And I know it can feel really insurmountable, especially in those couples that are, are really caught in that. Um, and I feel a lot of empathy for that. And I would say to those people, whatever you can do to first actually be able to sit with yourself and sit with those parts of yourself that are, that there's shame around, that there's like, you know, that, that don't feel lovable, um, in some way, shape, or form, because those are the the parts that are getting activated and and like you know magnified out here in the manifestation of the partner that you've brought in to show you. So the good news is is that there's like infinite amount of healers and modalities and things like that, but. I just love helping people on that journey of coming back to themselves and, and actually learning to find love and be in the energy of love for themselves and start to heal those parts that have felt so unlovable. And ultimately that changes. I mean, that can change the relationship you're in. Definitely. Like if one person shifts their way of showing up in their energy, it often can impact the other and and miraculously things start to really change or it might show you that this is no longer the relationship for me like I've outgrown this relationship um and then you know you will you will find your way if that's what you want to to the next level that you're ready to bring in um but really that's like at the core that's at the core of it is like learning learning to find enough love for yourself. It doesn't have to be like fully in love with yourself, but enough love for yourself to start to be able to actually see and be with another and be able to hold differences, be able to listen more deeply, be able to get curious and seek to understand, being able to like, you know, have enough wholeness in each of you and then create like a what's that one plus one equals three right mm -hmm. experience so um yeah 
I love helping people through those through that journey. Well, talk a little bit about, I mean, we, we've spoken a bit about circling. Um, I'll link to, is it circlinginstitute.com? I'm no or? longer actually involved with the Circling Institute. Okay. Well, tell um, me what you're involved with now and where people can, can get a hold of your wonderful high priestess energy. Oh, thank you. As much as I love them. And if anybody wants to learn how to actually train in that, they should go to the Circling Institute. That's wonderful, wonderful place. Um, so what? how they can get involved with me. So what I'm really working on now is um, obviously I work with individuals and couples um, and I take them through a you know, a period of time when we really dive deep into some of these things. Um, and I also love to work in organizations and most especially conscious organizations that are that are really trying to make a positive impact on the world. And I think that, you know, organizations like Fit for Service, where the actual relationships within the the organization, within the teams, within the leadership teams, and how healthy those relationships are, are a direct reflection of the impact that they can have in a sustainable way. So I love to work with those kinds of teams. There's nothing more exciting for me. It's weird, it's like a weird fascination. I love to go in a room of people where there's some dissonance. <laughs> it's so funny because like, I, I love harmony and peace more than anything. But really, like that feeling of walking into a room where things have been unsaid, there's tensions, there's ego, there's defensiveness, and to come in and like little by little start to, you know, uncover the things and create a space where people can share, like a safe enough space where people can start to share and people can start to get curious and people can you know understand and like and 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 i sort of all you know feel a bit like a conductor in those moments and it takes a lot of trust in the intelligence that wants to come through but there has not been one single time where that hasn't worked and that's not me that's literally just what happens when people are in their hearts and they're like coming from their experience and now we've created a listening space, it's just like, it's almost like a natural order of things from chaos to order. It's, it's neat. It feels like nature to me, Kyle. And to be in those spaces where that happens is, is like, fuck, like, oh my God. It's like, it's the best. Like, <laughs> That's where I'm like, zing. <laughs> um, and actually, just to be honest, like when I left the farm after being there a few days, like I know I was like hired for like this period of time and that period of time. But really, from the minute I landed until the minute I left, I completely was in that space with you all. Like a conversation here, like a conversation there, like off the record. And I was just, it was like having the permission to be immersed in that space and to be really doing what I love to do and watching it all and feeling like a, like a curator or a guide and all of that. I, I just love that shit. So people can just <laughs> find me. 
<laughs> on my website and uh, find out more about all of that. And there's fun projects in the pipeline that I'm excited about. And um, yeah, and and definitely like um, if anyone is interested in in learning more about circling because you keep you know it's a part of what you've talked about and all of that that I would encourage them to. Um, find out more about it and the circling institute would be a wonderful place to go to find out about it cool well it's been it's been so great having you on i can't wait i i hope we get to see each other i think we're going to see each other in sedona i'm not sure they've been all over the place but but we will see each other we will see each other soon for sure and I know yes, we like, will. I, I can't thank you enough for for all of the medicine that you've delivered whether it's with you on stage and me in the crowd or at the farm all of it has, has panned out in, in ways that are exponentially higher than anything I could have expected from it. So I have such a deep gratitude for you. I love you, buddy. And okay. uh, we'll, I'll have you back on the podcast anytime. I love you so much. Thank you so much. And send my love to that beautiful family of yours. Absolutely. Okay. 